Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. You can say it's a red mirage if you like, but your record on reality ain't so good. That's a red wave. It's high noon! For Friday, September 3rd, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator And the merch site is cancel The direct link is shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 226th day of Barack Obama's third term, as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy fake proxy President Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden! So congratulations, commies! You know you're right about everything, because everyone says it, so it must be true. Why else would everyone be saying it? Why wouldn't anyone be saying the opposite thing? Everyone agrees. And everyone knows that everything the media says is true. The big tech companies know it. That's why they censor anything that conflicts with what everybody knows to be true as told by the television. 
And that's why everyone listens to all these people. That's why they have such big platforms. That's why our celebrities, when they are speaking out about politics, you have to understand that what they're doing is a charity. They are bestowing upon us the truth in a very creative way because they're very creative people, right? That's how they got to be famous musicians and famous actors. They're all artists. Now, that said, they don't write their own songs and they don't write their own scripts, but they are still artists. Don't worry. Because all being an artist is, is repeating the slogans while using a popular art form as a vehicle for the slogans. And anyone who does that is an artist. And so as long as you are repeating the right slogans in a popular enough way, then you will be a prominent artist. It doesn't matter if you're actually talented and it doesn't matter if you're communicating anything real about yourself. It doesn't matter if you're exercising creativity. And it doesn't matter if it's your art that you're performing. Right? An actor's not going to write their own scripts. I mean, that would be crazy. They're just up there performing. It is a performance of art. Got it? So they, naturally must be the artist and pop songs. Well, they're mostly written by Max Martin. And so that's his art. But then a real artist goes out and performs them, you know, like Beyonce or Rihanna or Cardi B or Sam Smith, because it's really important if you make your gender an art too. You know, you have to express your artistry by making up what your gender is and then telling everybody about it and then being a spokesman for communist gender politics. That is how you know that you're an important artist. It's not based on the quality of your artistry or even whether or not you happen to be an artist in the first place. You could literally just be a singer and being able to sing well is just so wonderful. It is as wonderful. Actually, maybe it's even a little more wonderful than being able to jump high, right? It is a physical trait you were born with that you may have developed beyond that. And now you're putting it towards some use and in the form of, you know, pop music, the use you are putting it toward is performing Max Martin's art for money. And then the cool thing is, this is the cool thing. This is how you know how important the art is. The state media will go out and advertise your music to the entire public. You will have articles written about you in Rolling Stone and on The Ringer. All of the millennial bloggers who are obsessed with the NBA, but also pop music. And thank goodness they know absolutely everything about politics. They will tell us what tastes we're allowed to have. For instance, Cardi B is an advancement for women's issues because Cardi B is a 
rapper who definitely writes her own songs. And all of her songs are about her history as a stripper and prostitute who would find men at the strip club, offer to go home with them, make sure that they are wasted and high on drugs, and then rob them and then brag about it because that's how women are empowered. That is a very, very empowering thing. I'm not sure if you know this. I'm not sure if you know that women have been so oppressed throughout history that the way to conquer oppression that someone throughout history experienced is by becoming a stripper and making $500 to $1,000 per night to take off your clothes and then go home with a guy and rob him so that you get even more money. There is honestly no higher form of feminism than that. And so Cardi B is very important, and the New York Times will tell you that, and the Democrat Communist Party will tell you that. In fact, they'll have Cardi B for PR, for political PR, they will have her interview Bernie Sanders. And if you want to know what it looks like when two retarded, child-brained communists discuss politics together and are wrong about everything, just watch that interview and you will know everything you need to know. In fact, your political education can end at that point and you will have known enough of the slogans to participate next time you're at a dinner party and everyone is a communist and has to make sure everyone else at the table is also a communist. They'll go around and they'll let everybody say one little communist thing and you will have just from that interview three or four solid slogans that you can repeat to let everyone know you're on the team perfect and now those same publications will write about kanye west's new album uh donda or maybe it's donda or maybe it's donde i have no idea all i know is that that is its name and that it's a pretty good album There are reviews of the Kanye West album. And now Kanye West is indisputably one of the most important artists in the last 20 years. It would be hard to deny that. You see, Kanye West actually makes his own art. So that puts him off to a great head start in terms of popular music. You know, there are obviously like rock bands for the most part create all their own art right but pop music is not like that and even if you're a rapper who writes their own lyrics which is great that's fine that counts okay (laughs) not trying to go there guys don't worry oh i think i think he might be about to say something racist (laughs) oh rappers write their own lyrics awesome that's their art writing the lyrics performing the rap that's it right it's like a singer in a rock band If a singer writes their lyrics and sings and everybody else makes the music, well, then that's a collaborative artistic process where each individual in that process is an artist. Someone writing a song and the lyrics and the melody and then giving it to a pop star to perform, that's not art. And the truth is they could get anyone off of American Idol 
and have them sing the song the same way. And it would be virtually the same song. And after they put through all the vocal processors and everything else, honestly, who cares? Right. So but Kanye West is a an actual artist and he works in multiple mediums and they all intermingle in his artistic oeuvre. But the thing is, Kanye West had the courage to go outside of the bubble. He didn't want to live in the woke little Hollywood communist bubble that was not pleasing to him. He felt it was stifling his artistry. He was being taken advantage of. The system was trying to corrupt him. And so he doesn't play that game. He still does his own thing. And that makes people very mad. Here's how to judge Kanye's reviews, because today there was an actual article in the, you know, quote unquote, conservative outlet, The Federalist. And they were like, that was their review of Kanye. I don't know if it's okay to say it's good. Maybe it's good, but maybe it's bad. I don't know. I'm not black. I really shouldn't be speaking about any of this, honestly. And like, if I say it's too good, someone's going to probably get mad. And so they were like, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's not that interesting. (laughs) Okay, well, then why are you writing about it? You think your Federalist readership just needs to know the Federalist's opinion of other people's reviews of Kanye West? So the reviews, we're told, are mixed. (laughs) The reviews are mixed, which means that it's actually really good, but not everyone is courageous enough to say so. They don't want to have the blowback on Twitter. All fucking 1,800 communists that are still left on Twitter. Twitter is basically like a playground for Obamis and Romneys to pretend that they're super smart. And then there's just a hundred million bots who will harass them and then fight amongst each other after those 1800 people say their very important thoughts. So, I mean, it's pretty clear that not only do our uh, cultural betters and those who command us on how the culture should be used and manipulated. Not only do they not know what they're talking about, they are not able to give competent critiques of artwork because they don't know what art is. They really just have a reaction to whether or not they like how something sounds, and then they will critique the cultural commentary on it. Right. They'll have their little position. Like if you're uh, one of the if you're a Romney, like the people who write for the Federalist, you will go after one of the Obamis that writes for the ringer and you guys will work around the edges on how, you know, the Kanye album is this or that. But it's not like his stuff 15 years ago when he was totally down with the program. I mean, it's undoubtedly true that his artistry has declined. He's just not the same rapper that he used to be. And that's what passes for culture and cultural critique now. Okay, that is a sign of our decadence and cultural rot that not even the criticism is good. It's all 
completely vanilla, worthless nonsense. Watching the cultural critics right now, watching a uh, a, a legion of Biden voting morons try to dictate culture to a society is among the most pathetic things I've ever witnessed. It is incredible to me that being a Trump supporter is probably the most punk rock thing that has ever happened in history. All the old school punk rockers or not all of them, actually, some of them are Trump supporters, which is awesome. But most of these old school punk rockers now just repeat the slogans of the state and pretend that they are a counterculture in doing so. Hey, man, you're the only culture. You are down with the censorship regime. You're an old school punk rocker whose entire ethic and image and career were built off the idea that you were sticking it to the man. And now you are the man. It's so embarrassing. And the pretense underlying all of this is that these people have even the slightest notion of what's happening in the world. And it's nothing could be clearer than the fact that they have absolutely no clue what they're talking about at any point. And at this point, it's pretty easy to see, right? The veils are off. We can see who these people are. The woker they are, the dumber they are. That is basically a 100% crystal clear correlation right there. Oh, you're that woke? Okay. Have you ever read a book? When was the last time you read a book? Never. They've never read a book. I would be surprised if they ever read a whole book while they were in school getting tested on whether or not they read books. <laughs> and no, reading 270 page long pamphlets on anti-racism does not count. All right. All you did was read a catalog of slogans and figured out which ones you wanted to send your money to. And yet. We let celebrities and these cultural dictators tell us what we're supposed to believe and what we're allowed to believe and what we're allowed to do and think and what we're allowed to produce as art. And they protect that bubble. Why would they want to face opposing viewpoints? If the market started catering to opposing viewpoints, well, then theirs would be exposed as completely worthless and no one would buy it. And by the way, how do we know that anyone buys this stuff in the first place, right? All of this is just numbers on a computer, no different than our voting system was in 2020. No one goes and buys CDs and cassettes and records anymore. People actually have to go spend their real hard-earned money on art back then. Now they just steal it or they have a commercial subscription to a streaming service or they pay $10 a month, right? 120 bucks a year and you can get every song in history. And I'm not trying to do that when I was a kid thing, but seriously, this part was better for artists too. So you know, I've been making this argument forever. I know that this podcast, I don't talk about this stuff that much, but I have made this argument for years and years and years. Like we are destroying art by stealing art. And it is no wonder that all we're left with is corporate political 
crap art. Okay. I wrote something, God, in 2010 or something like that called All You Eat is McDonald's, right? Because I was living in Hollywood. I had all these Hollywood communists around all the time trying to tell everybody what was healthy and what was not. And they were gluten free for no reason. And they did this diet or that diet. Always telling you exactly how you should do every single thing, what your spirituality should be, what your diet should be, all of it. But they also listen to terrible music. They watch reality television all day long. They read magazines. They follow gossip sites. They spend all day texting and on Instagram. They spend their life filming their themselves eating Seriously, why would you take advice from one of those people about anything? Even their diet is just a product of their narcissism, and they're probably wrong. You know, they probably just take terrible diets and promote those just so that they can seem like the person who knows the most about dieting. That is literally what they do. I'm not kidding. But they ingest terrible culture all the time and then tell people, what to put in their bodies. They don't know what to put in their own minds, but they will tell people what to to do with their own bodies. And also my body, my choice, of course, right? So we are being told what to do by these people. And we're supposed to believe that they know what they're talking about on the basis that everyone else is saying the thing they're saying, right? So there's this, the democracy of belief. Well, the belief must be right because the most people believe it. Fuck that. I will believe what I believe if I am the only person in the world who believes it. And I don't care if someone thinks that that's egocentric or or stubborn. That's not the point. The point is, I believe it. And you don't get to change my mind by telling me that everybody else is right and I am wrong. You only get to change my mind when you actually present me things that will change my mind. That used to be a normal thing, by the way, that used to be called thinking for yourself and having the courage of your convictions. We used to actually honor those two things. Now we honor the democracy of the belief. We give up the sovereignty over our own minds. We sacrifice our own thoughts for the ostensible greater good, the greater good of the state. We can't say that masks don't work, even though they don't work, because we got to look out for the greater good. What if they do work? Well, they don't. But what if they do? Well, they don't. And if you say, what if they do more and more times, that's not an argument. Okay, and what if they do doesn't then become a premise for the argument that, well, if they do, then every measure of safety is important. Is it? Is it? It's not. And no one believes it. Right. If the speed limit is 65 and you are driving 70, are you trying to kill everyone on the road? How about if you're driving 66 and what if, for instance, it's true that even if the speed limit is 65, the safest possible speed is 47. And so you're operating within the law, but not 
to the greatest degree of safety, then what? Are you a murderer? Are you killing everybody's grandmother? Of course not. None of this ever used to be controversial, right? But we are so accustomed to believing that the group idea, the collective idea, the thing that everybody knows then gets extra credit as being right. And because everybody knows it, the only way to defeat it is to just get endless evidence to the contrary and then lay it out and then hope that everyone agrees that this really is evidence to the contrary. And we know that's not true. All, again, all you have to do is watch the election fraud debate play out in the country. It doesn't matter how much evidence you give them. They're going to say it's not evidence and that it's not true because everyone knows they're right. So what we have now is a situation where we are only allowed to listen to and indeed we are forced to listen to and forced to agree with people who do not know anything. And then the people who actually do know things and are acting in good faith to help are shut down and silenced. So we're allowed to listen to people who don't know anything and we're disallowed to listen to people who do know things and who are trying to help. That's where we are. And all of these beliefs are for a reason. Okay. And this kind of goes along with what I was talking about regarding Google yesterday. We all know that when we see a commercial on television, the commercial exists for the specific and explicit purpose of selling us a product or a service or an idea, right? It is trying to manipulate our behavior to get our money or our agreement. We all know that. And by the way, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, they could just simply be new information. And to the extent they are just new information, well, that's good. I want to know when there's a new product or service that might help me. What I don't want is to be lied to about it. And of course, that happens too. We don't need to be naive about that. All of us would admit that. Michael Jordan's shoes don't actually make us jump higher. Michael Jordan is a great legend and one of my personal heroes and by far the greatest basketball player of all time. And LeBron James is not even close, but his shoes don't make me jump high. I understand that it's marketing to make me feel like if I buy those shoes, then I somehow more closely resemble Michael Jordan, right? That's what the ad is meant to do. But that's what all ads are meant to do. You know, you get the pickup truck commercials on Sunday during the NFL. It's supposed to make you feel like a hardworking man. You buy a pickup truck, you look like a hardworking man. Even if you don't do any work. There are people out there who do not have jobs, but nonetheless own pickup trucks. So we are advertised to constantly. We are presented. We are shown something. And what we're shown is being shown to us with the express intent of manipulating our behavior, whether for our money or our agreement or our vote or whatever it is. 
And we know that we should not trust commercials because commercials are trying to get something from us. Just like if someone, some random person knocks on your door and is trying to sell you things. Maybe what they're selling you is valuable, but ultimately they are there to get your money and they are going to tell you how great their thing is so that they can get your money. And they don't really care if the thing they're selling you is as great as they're saying it is. It almost always is not. What we have is just ubiquitous advertising. All right. Movies are advertising if those movies are like Black Panther. Black Panther is a commercial for political attitudes. It's a two hour long commercial with special effects and great actors for political attitudes about issues of oppression. And those issues and attitudes are falsely presented so that they can manipulate the mind of their viewers into the communist viewpoint the movie espouses. The pop music we get is the same way. You know, I was at Coachella in, uh, God, what was it, 2018 maybe? And Beyonce was the headliner. And I went on week two because a friend of mine wanted to go see Beyonce. I didn't care at all about that, obviously. Uh, but there was a band there that I am actually really good friends with and they were playing that night as well. So I went to see them. We got tickets. I got tickets from them and we went and then Beyonce performed afterward. So I don't know if you remember all the reviews of that show after week one, Beyonce had a marching band, which was supposed to be historic for the uh, this is like a historic performance for the historically black colleges and universities, right? HBCU. Mind you, Trump funded HBCUs more than anyone in history, and he guaranteed them their funding so that they wouldn't have to return to Washington every year and have a big deal made out of the fact that they were being funded again. It was no longer a PR thing. Trump just gave them the money they needed, and that was it. But Trump's not a hero. Beyonce is the hero because Beyonce did a certain type of marching band dancing. And so it was historic. It was one of the greatest performances ever. It was like Michael Jackson and every other great thing all combined in the world. Beyonce is the queen. Yes, slay queen, slay Beyonce, baby, slay queen. The greatest performance of all time. Except it wasn't a great performance. I watched it. I watched some of it. The dancing is, is fine. The choreography is exceptional. I'm not trying to insult the entire thing. But it's not a great concert. It's just Beyonce playing her pop songs. And then between all of those pop songs that she performs, she gives little speeches about communism. Right. All of her songs are telling all the women how powerful they are. Right. Who run the world? Girls who run the world? Girls. Really? I mean, OK, I don't think that's true, but OK. Right. All the single ladies. Oh, you're so happy. You're so single. Oh, my God. Say stay single forever. You might live the sex in the city dream. 
<laughs> where you are still <laughs> making movies at 65 <laughs> as a single lady. <laughs> Shake your hand back and forth. <laughs> Show everybody how single you are. I know you're so happy. All the stats prove it. Feminism has done nothing but make women happier and happier and happier. Let's all pretend. Let's all play make-believe. It's better over here. It's so funny, too, because they actually admit so often that they are living in a world of fantasy, and they don't realize that that extends to the rest of their existence. But so Beyonce is making these very women-empowering songs, and in between the songs, she talks about how oppressed women are. So she's basically like leading this sermon of oppression, convincing everyone they're oppressed. And she brings them down to this point. And they're like, oh, man, we are so oppressed. I wish we had communism. And then Beyonce starts her song and she tells them all how powerful they are if they're just together, working together for communism. And that really is the entirety of the show, except Beyonce's a billionaire. And every single person in that crowd that she performed for had probably spent between $500 and $1,000 of their disposable income just being able to attend her show. And there were 100,000 of them. So where are the oppressed people she's talking to? It's just a commercial. It's just an advertisement. It exists for you to be manipulated by it. And we have to start realizing that's what all this is. The fake trends on Twitter, the manipulation of the likes and dislikes on Biden videos on YouTube. The algorithmically curated search results on Google. They are all manipulations. They are advertisements. They are commercials for an idea or a product, or a service. That's what you're being given. It's the illusion that everyone else agrees with that viewpoint. It makes it harder for you to express your own viewpoint, for you to even feel comfortable in having that viewpoint. And for so many people, it encourages them to, to coach themselves into believing the viewpoint as it's presented to them because everyone else does it. And that's how you fit in. You have to assimilate. You have to go along with it. You have to comply. Otherwise, you feel isolated and endangered. Or like you're some kind of freak with the weird ideas. That's not true at all. Remember, guys, we are the majority. And many of them are starting to figure that out now. And by the way, I know it's been a long time, but if you're one of those people who's starting to figure it out now and you want to come back to America, we all will welcome you. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, communists. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you made it through that half hour. I didn't even really insult communists all that much, like in relative terms. So I hope you've made it that far. I hope you'll make it through the rest. And I hope you'll stick around next week because you give me a few days. Give me a couple weeks. I'm going to make you American again. 
You're not going to be a communist. You're going to leave all those stupid and evil communist ideas behind. Your brain is going to grow to its full adult size and it will function again. You'll have all these little electrical signals going off. You'll feel so happy. You'll be like, what's my brain doing? It's active again. Why am I feeling an urge to not repeat the slogans today? Well, this is why, commie, because you're taking back control of your life. You're taking back the sovereignty of your own mind. And thank you for doing it because we need you back here in America. We're trying to get this whole project back on track. And we can't do that without your help. And you got to understand that we all know that. We are actually not trying to divide the country. We don't want all of you to suffer. We don't want to send you to camps like you want to send us to. We just want you to leave the stupid and evil child-brained rock-dumb communist ideas behind. Come on back to America. Make your amends with the people you have obviously been terrible to. And we're all good. It's pretty simple. What could be simpler, honestly? Now, some very interesting stuff is beginning to happen on the election fraud front. And I said yesterday, and I actually talked about this a bit on Patel Patriots show last night. If you want to see that Patel, by the way, is the, the guy that has written the devolution series and he's still, you know, that project is still ongoing, but he does a thing called uh, Power Hour. He does it a couple of times a week. I was a guest on there again last night. That link is on the info stream if you want to see that. But we were talking about timelines of the Arizona audit. I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. I honestly think they're just going to wait on that until the moment is exactly right. And they're going to push action in other states in the meantime. Uh, Wisconsin seems to be moving along with their process. Things are happening in Pennsylvania. More and more is coming out in Georgia. Uh, as I said, in Wisconsin, they actually had, they found 83,000 ba ballots that are just missing, totally missing, not accounted for at all. There are problems absolutely everywhere. And then today on War Room, John Fredericks just announced that uh, one of the Real America's Voice uh, reporters, I think her name is Heather Mullins, she has uncovered or come into the possession of video showing 240 different uh, ballot traffickers going around and stuffing ballots into the Mark Zuckerberg drop boxes in Georgia, right? Zuckerberg sponsored these drop boxes through the center of tech and civic life. And they were meant to ostensibly provide a convenient option for people to vote by mail because the coronavirus was too dangerous to vote in person, even though Anthony Fauci said that there was no danger to voting in person. And even though the CDC came out on Election Day last year and said that even if you have an active coronavirus infection, it is still not too dangerous for you to go vote. Voting is so important that you should still go do it. Right. But because of that very, very dangerous danger, they needed to have these very secure drop boxes everywhere because people needed to have a place to put their mail-in ballot that was not in their mailbox at home, apparently, right? So they could have the postal carrier bring them their ballot. 
they could receive the ballot. And the postal carrier, one would assume, would be happy to take outgoing mail back from that location because that's how that system has always worked for all time. But instead of that, that was too difficult or maybe too dangerous vis-a-vis coronavirus. So they had to put up these drop boxes in specifically Democratic areas, primarily urban areas. And what they did, of course, which should have been obvious to absolutely everyone, because you don't need a ridiculous solution for a problem that does not exist. And if someone presents a ridiculous solution for a problem that does not exist, you should be like, hey, are you trying to trick me? And they would be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I was trying to trick you. You caught me. You got it. You got me. What can I say? Call me red handed. But we weren't allowed to do that, of course. Instead, we were told that the drop boxes were what you should do with the ballots. In fact, people in Hollywood, celebrities and people who aren't celebrities, but are very influency and they have their little blue check marks. They got paid to take their ballot and put them in drop boxes. Jennifer Aniston got paid to do that. I remember that specifically. So did a bunch of other idiots. Some of them are people I know. Some of them are wives of people who used to be my friends. But they posted their little Instagram picture like the retarded child-brained communists they are. And they said, hey, you know what? The coronavirus is so dangerous and my vote is so sacred. So I'm going to take this ballot and I'm going to put it in the drop box. And that's how you know that I'll be safe from coronavirus and my ballot will be safe from voter fraud. Thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for putting these boxes here. And thank you for giving me money to advertise your boxes. And that's how you know that they really care about election integrity. But it turns out that now on video, there is proof that ballot traffickers We're stuffing those drop boxes. And by the way, we've already gone through the reports and the evidence of those drop boxes having the ballots taken from them and then the ballots not driven to the actual uh, county registrar to sign for receipt of those ballots. They have completely broken chain of custody already, right? And this is, by the way, none of these Uh, Voting provisions were legal. They were all done through a consent decree signed by Stacey Abrams and the communist Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state, who is an actual Romney, not at all a Republican or a conservative. And he was actually put into office specifically as a progressive pretending to be a Republican because they have firms that do exactly that. Yes, that is true as well. So they sign a consent decree and they figure, well, you know, it's not legal, but we'll see if the courts will stop us. Truth is, we kind of already stacked the courts, so we know that they're not going to stop us. And all we really need to do is get the whole thing over the finish line on January 20th, and then it all goes away. Well, you misfired once again, Kami. I'm sad to report that this is yet another instance of you being wrong 
due to your incompetence and your narcissism. Those two things combine into one extremely toxic mess inside your brain. You think you are infallible and never wrong due to your narcissism. And then you always end up failing and being wrong due to your incompetence. And you don't recognize the incompetence because of the narcissism. It's really a terrible way to try to get and use and maintain power. But that's exactly what you do. So it didn't all go away after January 20th. And in fact, it has done the exact opposite every single day since then. And it is going to continue doing the exact opposite every day from now until all of you are in prison and awaiting trials for treason. That's how that's going to go. And it's not going to go any other direction, commies. That is it. All right. No one is stopping. No one is going to be deterred. And if you think that at this point we are going to end up losing, well, then you haven't been following the trends, commie. You see, no one believes it anymore. You are underwater on the number of people in this country who think that Joe Biden was legally and legitimately elected. The country knows the president is fake. Joe Biden did not get 81 million legal American votes and no one with half a brain could possibly ever believe that. Now, if you want some real life evidence that there is no way Joe Biden has that much support, all you need to do is watch anything he does and anything he says, and you can see the illegitimacy and desperation and incompetence just pouring out of this sad, pathetic old man. Today, he went out to address the terrible jobs numbers for last month, and he blamed it on the spread of the Delta variant. Oh, we've got a Delta variant, and that's what's really keeping things slowed down. Well, no, it's not. It's your fault, Joe. You're not building back better. So at the end of his little speech, he ended up taking a an impromptu question from one of the reporters. And the question was about the uh, Texas bill limiting abortions in Texas that the Supreme Court declined to act on. So now that bill has gone into effect as law. And the bill essentially states that once a heartbeat is detectable in the fetus, you are not allowed to abort it. And the enforcement of that is basically up to individual citizens or groups reporting that a doctor has performed an illegal abortion. And so the left is having an absolute meltdown because they know that this law is going to be in place for a good long time and that this is probably the most powerful refutation of Roe versus Wade in the 50 years of Roe versus Wade. Now, I spent most of my life on that side of politics. Again, man, you know, what am I going to do? I've said, hey, I was brainwashed. I didn't know. That's all I can say, right? And now I can learn 
and try to understand why people on the other side believe what they believe and then do better in the future. That's all any of us can do. So I used to be pro-choice. I made all those bad pro-choice arguments. And, you know, I now am more like aligned with what this Texas bill says, right? If you get pregnant by a mistake and you notice it immediately and you're able to take a drug or have a procedure that will stop that immediately, then, okay, you know, that sounds like some sort of reasonable midpoint, but I'm open to changing that as well. But when you see what happened, what was going on at the University of Pittsburgh, for instance, at Anthony Fauci's behest, where they were essentially harvesting organs from aborted fetuses, aborted babies, and then selling them. That whole abortion discussion takes on a new light, right? I was ignorant of all of this before when I was pro-choice. I was just like, well, we don't need a bunch of kids that people can't take care of running around like people are having sex. What are you going to do? You can't stop it. So we don't want to have all these kids out there. This seems like the right answer. I didn't look into the stats. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know about the late term abortions. I didn't know about the fetal or organ harvesting. I didn't know about any of that stuff, you know? So the, the first thought you have that sounds like it makes sense. You're like, okay, well, I'll go with that. That sounds right. And it seems like women really want the ability to do this. So, okay, fine. I'm okay with it. And I think that that's like what a lot of my old liberal friends believe. And that's the extent to which they think of it. It doesn't go any further than that. And, you know, the the left is really exposing themselves about their priorities with abortion in, in their discussions about this. You know, they're acting like somehow it is a greater burden on women or on society to take earlier pregnancy tests, I guess. I mean, hey, listen, I'm not a woman. In fact, I'm not even a birthing person yet. Who knows? Maybe the, in the future I decide, hey, you know what, guys? I've changed my identity. Now I am a woman or something else. But either way, I can give birth. And even if I don't give birth, I'm still a birthing person. I can identify that way if I want. And so at that point, then I would be able to um, weigh in with my opinions on this discussion. And since that point could come eventually, I'm going to claim that right now and weigh in with my opinion regardless. Even though I am not a woman or currently a birthing person or someone who identifies as a birthing person, I am someone who identifies as someone who has the right to potentially identify as a birthing person. And so I'm going to claim the right to give my opinion. That's how it's going to go. So, it seems to me that if most women don't know they're pregnant by six weeks, a solution to that, not a scientist, not a woman, but a sol solution to that might be just going ahead and taking a pregnancy test once a month. Just pee on the stick once a month. Then, you know, if you're the sort of person who would want to get an abortion, then you would know. And then you could get in there before the six months expi or the six weeks expires. Problem solved, it sounds like to me. But again, this is not my arena. It seems to me like that is less taxing on women than having to go through an expensive abortion procedure and an emotionally taxing abortion procedure. 
it seems to me like it's not a restriction of women's rights. So it seems to me like this is an entirely reasonable place to be. Now, that doesn't have the advantages that the abortion lobby and that the fans of abortion, especially late term abortion, want. It doesn't give them what they want. They want late term abortions because they want to harvest fetal organ tissue. All right. That just is what it is. If there is that system, if there is financial incentive for that system, then that system will exist to take advantage of the financial incentive. So really what this bill and bills like it are striving to do is to mitigate in some way the actual moral stain of abortion at that point. Okay. And there is a moral stain of abortion at that point. If you are getting pregnant and carrying a baby for six months or seven months or eight months, well past the point that that baby is viable outside the womb. And then you go have an abortion for profit. Yeah, that's doing something wrong. Sorry. And I don't think I have to hedge that position any further than that. If someone has an argument against that position, that person probably has some things severely wrong with them. So the left is going insane on this. They don't know how to speak out against this. The messaging is a mess. They have not found anything, any slogans that are viable that they can go out and repeat. Their slogans are all, shall we say, in that pre-viability period. Jen Psaki yesterday tried to insult the man asking the question about this, the reporter in the press room. And she told him that he's not a woman, so he can't get pregnant and he has no idea what it's like. Okay, well, great, Connie. I'm glad we agree about the obvious scientific reality of gender, but that's not what you've been saying all this time. We were just told a few months ago that mothers no longer exist. They're just birthing persons, birthing people. And that when they're breastfeeding, they're actually chest feeding because former men can do that too. No matter how they identify now. And it's funny that she tries this argument on the same day that that degenerate freak Lil Nas comes out with his pregnancy photos. But she's standing up there saying, you're not a woman, so you can't ask this. And this is an affront to women's rights. While having also said that women don't exist and that trans women should be able to play women's sports so they can just completely dominate them. They are trying to rid the world of gender, but also making all their arguments for abortion on the basis of the old understanding of gender. So that argument is failing completely, and they are trying to describe it as as a ban on abortions, but it's not even a ban on abortions. It's just a ban on abortions after the fetal heartbeat is present. But let's go ahead and give the very real president a shot at this argument. Maybe the guy who can't think in complete sentences can figure out the Democrats' messaging problem. 
but everybody has to start paying their fair share. Thank you very much. Pardon me? One question on abortion rights in Texas, sir. What would be your message to women in Texas, and what can your administration do to protect abortion rights on a federal level? I'm late for going down. I'm going to talk about these things from Louisiana. But uh, um, I have been, continue to be, a strong supporter of Roe v. Wade. Number one. And uh, the most pernicious thing about the Texas law, it sort of creates a vigilante system where people get rewards to go out to anyway. All right. Well, you can hear that this idiot is getting close to a coherent thought, right? He is claiming that this encourages a vigilante system whereby citizens go find people who have gotten illegal abortions and report them. And they don't want that. They don't want American citizens to be acting as vigilantes. Okay. Don't want them reporting on their neighbors, except for thought crimes. You can report on your neighbors if they are not vaccinated or if they're not wearing masks or if they have an event at their house, a gathering that goes against the CDC's rules, even though they break no law and they have a First Amendment right of assembly, of course, but they are all in favor of of that sort of reporting. Also, the FBI is totally in favor of having the social media companies report to them on thought crimes. The uh, Anti-Defamation League is working with PayPal so that people can report problems and then you can take their ability to buy things away. Joe Biden's fake administration is actually leading the charge for this sort of vigilantism, for neighbors ratting out their neighbors, right? We saw that. They want to have people report if their neighbors have extremist thoughts. There was actually a warning on Facebook this week, and, you know, it's almost so crazy that you can't believe it's real, but also kind of can. So I don't know if this is a meme or not, but I'm going to mention it because if it's a meme, it's right next to reality, right? The Babylon Bee, for instance, is their satire could almost all be believed at this point. That's how crazy this situation is. But there is a warning that asks people whether or not their neighbors are becoming too prepared. Do you know someone who is uh, too prepared? <laughs> Like they're trying to figure out who the preppers are because the preppers might be committing thought crimes. And the funny thing is that it's actually a cliche. I think, I mean, I think I grew up with this. Maybe I'm just inventing it, but I think that there's a saying that just says you can never be too prepared. <laughs> Apparently that's not true. Apparently you absolutely can be too prepared. So Biden is against this vigilantism, except when it's for the communist cause. If it's against the communist cause, then vigilantes are a threat to peaceful society. If it's for the communist cause, well, 
All bets are off. You can actually shoot your neighbors if you want. And yes, of course, I'm joking when I say that, but I could imagine them getting to the point where they decided that they need to confiscate everyone's weapons. And so if someone refuses to give up their weapons and you realize it, well, you can go shoot that person because that person is obviously a threat to society. They could get there. They could get there under Joe Biden's pretend leadership. They could get there. And it just seems I know this sounds ridiculous, almost un-American what we're talking about. Not to debate about, I, under, I respect people who think that, who don't support Roe v. Wade. I respect their views. I respect them, they, those who believe life begins at the moment of conception and all. I, I respect that. Don't agree, but I respect that. I'm not going to impose that on people. But what I was told, and I must tell you, I am not certain. I was told that there are possibilities within the existing law to have the Justice Department look and see whether are there things that can be done that can limit the independent action of individuals in enforcing a federal system, a, a, a state law. I don't know enough to give you an answer yet. I've asked that to be checked. So Joe Biden doesn't know anything about the issue he's talking about, and he's pretty much admitting that. Every single one of his thoughts stops before he finishes it. And we can give him the benefit of the doubt and imagine that the rest of the thought could have been presented had only he remembered to present it. But what we have here at that at the end there is Joe Biden and his fake administration, these tyrannical commies. He is saying that he's going to sick his Justice Department on people who try to enforce the law or try to abide by the law in Texas. He's going to send his Justice Department down there and they're going to take care of it because the Congress failed and the courts don't agree and the law is legal and Texas is exercising their right as a sovereign state to pass that law. That's how the Constitution works. That's not good enough for Joe Biden. So he's going to use the Department of Justice. This is the same idle yet tyrannical threat that he made to the Arizona auditors when he was talking about sending that feckless moron Merrick Garland down to Arizona to disrupt the audit. Well, how did that go? They completely failed because the uh, state reps in Arizona told them to kick rocks. And now, switching subjects without a segue, I want to talk about some really interesting news that came out last night. And I know that this is going to be a slightly sensitive subject. I'm also going to say up front that I, this is not something that I have ever dug on, okay? I do not have a well-formed opinion or point of view about the Sandy Hook massacre. A lot of people over the years, have expressed the belief that this was a false flag, not only that the event was used falsely and portrayed falsely, but the event simply did not happen, that it was staged and fake, okay? And that's what got Alex Jones taken off Twitter, if I understand correctly. The news that came out last night is incredibly interesting. 
because it supports that view and it does it in a way that is really, really hard to contest. So I'm going to read this article from Time magazine. This was put out uh, yesterday. I guess it was in the afternoon, actually. The gunmaker being sued for the Sandy Hook shooting wants school records for some of the children who died. Now, if you're the sort of communist that thinks that these events, when they are presented to us, mean that everyone should immediately give up their guns and that the Second Amendment should be done away with, then none of this is going to please you. In fact, you're going to get very, very mad because you believe that there is absolutely no way that the Democrat Communist Party and their uniparty allies would ever do something so heinous as stage a mass shooting of elementary school kids for political advantage. They would never do anything like that. Now, if you are someone with a full-sized functioning adult brain, you would be like, oh yeah, of course they would do that. I mean, it's September of 2021 now, okay? This isn't 20 years ago. This isn't five years ago. This isn't two years ago. This is now. After we've seen what they've done with the coronavirus and the fact that they've stolen an election, how they have abused the racial narratives and everything else, right? They will not stop at anything. They will lie to us about whatever they need to lie about to get their way. They will kill whoever they need to kill intentionally or by accident. They will allow killings. They will allow disasters. Because they the problems are useful. Okay, so with that in mind, the article is by Melissa Chan, September 2nd. The gunmaker being sued by families who lost loved ones in the Sandy Hook shooting is seeking school records for some of the first graders killed in the massacre court filings show. It's the latest affront to the families as the landmark wrongful death lawsuit heads to a jury trial slated for later this year or early 2022, their attorney says. Remington, this is the gun manufacturer, has filed subpoenas to obtain report cards, attendance lists, and other academic records for five of the students who were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut on December 14th, 2012. A total of 20 children and six faculty members were killed. The nation's oldest gun manufacturer also asked the Newtown Public School District to provide employment files for four educators who died in the shooting. The five students and four educators are part of a long-running wrongful death suit against Remington over its marketing practices. Calling the subpoenas an invasion of privacy, Josh Koskoff, the attorney representing nine families of victims, filed a motion on Thursday to seal the documents, which include application and admission paperwork, transcripts, and disciplinary records. A legal source familiar with the case, who was not authorized to speak about the pending litigation, told Time that it is routine in wrongful death lawsuits for the defense team to subpoena education and medical records to determine damages. It may sound crass, the source says, but at the end of the day, the jury is asked to put a dollar number on the decedent's life. Employee employment files that show salaries, for example, help determine that figure. And while a report card from kindergarten might not, the source says those files, while lower level, are part of the overall procedure to gather every piece of information. 
Koskoff disagrees, arguing those records would not help in estimating the catastrophic damages in this case. And catastrophic is in quotes. So that's the attorney saying that. This is also a quote. The records cannot possibly excuse Remington's egregious marketing conduct, he says. The only relevant part of their attendance records is that they were at their desks on December 14th, 2012. Thursday's filing is the latest twist in the case in an attempt to prove that Remington's marketing strategies influenced the gunman to use a Bushmaster rifle for his shooting spree. The families have requested that Remington provide a slew of internal emails, social media analytics, advertising plans, and more. Instead, in July, Remington turned over tens of thousands of random pictures and cartoons, including images of Santa Claus in a bowl of ice cream. The legal source at the time said the seemingly random images were among tens of thousands of images and videos posted by third parties on Remington's social media pages and that all the material was turned over to plaintiffs as part of the discovery process. Meanwhile, critics of the gun industry and scholars who have been closely eyeing the case say Remington's internal documents could yield incriminating information, similar to the way major civil settlement in 1998 forced the tobacco industry to disclose millions of pages of internal communications that revealed deceptive marketing practices. Regardless of the jury decision, experts say that the discovery process alone would give the public a rare glimpse into how a major gun maker, which is usually shielded from lawsuits by federal law, markets its products. Now, viewed only in the context of this article, this might not sound like any big deal, right? The author of the article and the attorneys that are suing Remington portray the defense's move to ask for these records as a means of limiting their financial liability in the instance that they lose the case, right? They're going to try to argue that the dollar amount they must pay out is not as high as what the plaintiffs are asking for. And that sounds in some way like a plausible explanation. But I don't read it that way, and I don't think that people should read it that way. The truth is that we, as members of the public, do not know all the answers about this case, okay? If it turns out, for instance, that the plaintiffs are unable to produce any of these records, what would that mean? And there's good reason to believe that they cannot produce these records because they are choosing not to produce these records and they are blaming it on something irrelevant. All right. They're saying that these records are irrelevant because what happened was so catastrophic that there really isn't any limit to the amount of money that Remington would owe to these victims. And they're saying it's based on their marketing. They marketed the Bushmaster too well. They marketed it so well that it was the rifle of choice for this killer. And of course, this is the same argument they make about the AR-15s. And they call both of these assault weapons. And then they push the assault weapons ban, which is a step to pushing an overall gun ban. We all know how this works. But it's also possible that they don't want to produce those records because those records don't exist. And if those records don't exist, well, why is that? 
if that answer is what people have suggested happened for all of this time that we've all been told is a conspiracy theory. This is what Alex Jones got silenced for, man. You know, back then it was like, yeah, okay. Alex Jones is really insensitive. He shouldn't be talking like this. This is really messed up. These, these parents, you know, they're going through something terrible and Alex Jones is making it worse. It's a compelling argument if you don't want to look into it. And of course, no one will look into it because they don't want to make that argument because they've already bought in that that argument is hurtful and they don't want to imagine themselves as hurtful people. So it gets ignored. But it's September 2021 now, and it's awfully hard to just take their word for it. Oh, we can't talk about this because you're going to claim that it's going to hurt a stranger who has already certainly heard much worse and will never hear the thing I'm saying. It's going to hurt them. And so to protect their feelings, we can't try to find out whether or not the media story is true. Now, we can say that Remington is asking for these records for the exact reason that the plaintiff's attorney describes. That is possible. I don't know. That's possible. But what's not in doubt is that Remington, Remington's attorneys are asking for these records. So from their point of view, there is a reason why they want those records. And I have real doubts that that reason is because they're trying to marginally limit their own financial liability. They are asking for those records. They are not conspiracy theorists. They are serious people trying to defend a major gun manufacturer against a lawsuit. They're doing their jobs. If those records cannot be produced and the reason they're asking for those records is because there may be reason to believe that these people don't exist and weren't killed and the thing was a charade, well, that's going to be pretty damning to the entire media, the entire gun narrative, and this whole democratic communist project that we've been witnessing. Do you put it past them? I don't. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Come on. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. 
Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack. I'm your moderator.substack.com where you can donate or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 